Hello, welcome to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast, episode number 160. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. If you are looking for strategies to live a naturally healthy life, you are in the right place. Today, we are going to talk about your relationship with food. Many women want to fix their relationship with food. They want to have a better relationship with food. They understand that their type 2 diabetes is caused because they have a bad relationship with food. We are going to talk about what that means and the most effective way I have found to alter that relationship with food or at least a strategy to alter that relationship with food. I think it's effective. It may just move you a step in the right direction. It may not be the end-all game-changing experience for you. I think it is, but we'll see. Um, I do want to briefly mention, coming up, there will be a single-day webinar. I know typically I do a five-day training session. I do those uh, sporadically throughout the year. But in the end of August, and I have not determined what day it will be, but there will be a one-day webinar to discuss or to train folks on how to utilize the three strategies that I teach to reverse type 2 diabetes. It will be an hour-long webinar. It will be brief. In fact, by the time that this podcast is released, if you go to my website, DelaneMD.com, it will probably be up there to register. If you go to DelaneMD on Facebook or DelaneMD on Instagram, there will be information about that in those uh, platforms. So check those out. I've not got firm times and dates set up yet, but by the time this podcast comes out, that should be there. So look for it. Again, DelaneMD on Facebook and Instagram or go to DelaneMD.com and find it. And it's going to be an hour-long webinar teaching the three strategies that I teach to reverse type 2 diabetes. So today we are going to talk about our relationship with food. This podcast is going to be a great journaling prompt or guide or template. So if you don't journal, I would encourage you to start because this is going to be a great opportunity for you to work through some of this in your brain. But even if you just do this as a mental activity, not an actual on paper written activity, I think that there is going to be a lot of benefit for this. We're going to talk about how you describe your current relationship with food, what it's creating for you, and then we're going to talk about what you want to create with it and how you go about doing that. The first question to ask yourself is really, how would you describe your relationship with food and your health right now? Note that I do use the term relationship with food, but this is truly the relationship not only with food, but with your health. Recognize the food you put into your body is going to inevitably create the health in your body. So if you want different health, then you probably need to eat different food and you need to look at the relationship that you have with food. So before we dive into describing that, I want to give you some parameters on what I mean by relationship. A relationship with anything, anyone, any concept, is really just our thoughts about that entity. If it's another human being, if it's another thing, if it's a concept, whatever it is. So many of us are very familiar with our relationships with other humans, our spouses, our significant others, our children, our parents, our co-workers, all sorts of humans we have relationships with. And how you know that your relationship is strictly 
a thought, and this is a hard thing for us as humans because we're like, no, 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 no. It's not just our thoughts. It's something more than that. How you know that your relationship with some other human being is based on your thoughts is because other humans have completely different relationships with those human beings based on their thoughts, their individual thoughts, okay? The human being that we think of, that we have a relationship with, is the same no matter who is having a relationship with them. Okay, so my daughter, whom I believe hung the moon and the stars, I think she's just the most amazing little human being on the earth. She's not so little anymore. She's 14. And so she's continuing to grow into an adult. But I think she's the most amazing human being on the face of the earth. My daughter is the same human being, whether I'm considering her or kids at school are considering her. So she has a group of girlfriends, and of course, as 14-year-old girls will be, they are very fleeting in their emotions and their thoughts, and they are very up and down. This is a huge roller coaster ride. Some of it's based on biology and hormones. A lot of it's based on how we teach human beings to interact with each other. Her friends someday think that she hung the moon and the stars the same way I do, and other days they don't think very much of her. My daughter is the same no matter. And even on the days where her friends aren't thinking that much of her, where there's this turmoil, there's this, you know, drama in their relationship, even on those days, my daughter is the same. And I still think she hung the moon and the stars. My daughter is unchanging in this orbit of relationships that go around her. She's the same the difference is the thoughts that I have about her or the thoughts her friends have about her. And this is true for all of our relationships. So here's the best news ever. If you want a relationship to be better, you just have to figure out what else is true that you believe about this person or this thing or this entity or this concept. Okay. And why that's really important to see is because if you don't like your relationship with food, that's awesome. You just have to figure out what else is true about it. If you don't like your relationship with health, with your health, you just have to figure out what else is true in your current experience about it. So recognize that is a relationship. A relationship is a collection of thoughts that we have about someone, something, some entity, some concept. And you can think about all the different relationships that are out there. Relationships with your significant others, relationships with your family, with your children, with your parents, relationships with coworkers, relationships with money. How do you believe about money? What do you think about money? What does that create for you? You can think about relationship with your schedule. That's what really brought me to this concept of relationship and seeing how it applies to other things. Not my work with food, not my work with my health, but really my relationship with my calendar and my scheduling really has blown some doors off of my reality and my experience of the world. Also relationships with your downtime, your hobbies, the things you want to do, relationships with religion and spiritual beliefs. All of these things are relationships and they are thoughts. It's a collection of thoughts that you have about these things. Those thoughts drive feelings. Okay? That is what you will pick up. When I think about my daughter, I feel loving. I feel nurturing. I feel empowered. 
I feel protective. When I think about my son, I feel protective. I feel loving. I feel fun. My son is a good time. Both of my boys are a really fun time. When I think of my mom, I feel grateful. That's the feeling that comes up. And the thoughts that create my relationship with my mom are, God, she was the exact woman that I needed to be my mother. She was not perfect. My gratitude is not in my mother's perfection. My gratitude is in the match that was made between my mother and I and how she was everything that I needed. That's where that gratitude comes from. So you're going to feel a feeling before you know the thought. Because we are feeling beings, right? You guys all know this is the year of the woo for me. 2022 is the year of the woo, right? And what that meant for me was I was going to really lean into the feelings. Because what I've realized is that is the first piece of information I get from my experience in my environment. That is the thing that triggers that I need to consider what's going on. Those feelings, when I ask why I'm feeling it, why do I feel gratitude for my mom? Why do I feel fun with my sons? Why do I feel... Um, strong around my daughter. Those feelings, when I ask why I'm having them, give me the list of thoughts. Okay. So if your feeling about your relationship with your health or your food is fear, asking yourself why. If your feeling about your relationship with your health or food is anxiety, ask yourself why. That's going to give you the thoughts that are creating that relationship with your food and your health. So I do want to touch on fear. A lot of us feel fear and we feel like we can't help but feel it. And we feel like sometimes it drives functional action. And so an example of this is if you're in an alley and it's dark and it's nighttime and you're walking and you see another human being and you feel fear, that fear drives you to move to a place of safety to shake a tail feather, hustle your, your tail off to safety so that you aren't in an unsafe environment. Fear drives a functional action in that moment. 10,000 years ago, if a saber-toothed tiger was in your presence, you felt fear. That fear drove you to run from the saber-tooth and to get to safety. In the medical arena where I see this, Somebody will present and they'll have a heart attack in the ER, like they'll come to the ER for crushing chest pain, we'll diagnose them with a heart attack, we'll send them off to the cath lab, we'll call a cardiologist and cardiologist will send them. They will have a very frank threat to their life in this moment. And that frank threat to life drives fear that drives the action of them quitting smoking. We'll just use that action as an example. They will quit smoking in their hospital stay. Seems relevant, seems important, seems like something that's a good choice. But when they move out of that frank threat to their life that has driven a fear that creates the action of them not smoking anymore, when they move outside of that specific situation and suddenly they're six weeks at home, and there's no longer the frank threat to their life, suddenly one cigarette sneaks back in, suddenly another cigarette sneaks back in, suddenly they're back up to a half pack per day. So what I want you to see is fear is not a great feeling to motivate long-term action change. You will run to safety from the dark alley until the threat is gone, and then you don't look for safety anymore. 
You will run from the saber tooth until the threat is gone, and then you won't run anymore. You will quit smoking because of the fear of the threat to your life that your heart attack caused. But once that threat is no longer there, you will no longer continue that action. So recognize that is why fear does not motivate long-term functional action change. It's because it will only work until the threat is no longer present and then it will no longer drive action change. Sometimes we'll have still this low level of fear, right? Like with the cigarette example, right? Like we know the cigarettes will eventually kill us. The thought of the threat, right? Like we have a thought that this cigarette will eventually kill us. That is a lot different than I'm having a specific procedure done right now to prevent me from dying because of my cigarettes. It's a very different threat that we experience. The perception of eventual threat and the perception of right now threat, right? If you're in a jungle area that you know saber tooths exist in, like saber tooths are around here, but you don't see a saber tooth, you're not running in that moment. It's the thought, of, the perception of threat, the thought of the threat versus the actual threat. Knowing the cigarettes will eventually kill you is the perception of threat, not I'm undergoing a procedure right now to prevent me from dying in this moment. That's a, per, that's a real threat going on right there. I mean, even like think about in the moment where they're going through the heart catheterization and they're stenting your arteries, the physiology occurring in that moment prior to that procedure is that your heart muscle is not getting enough oxygen and you're having adrenaline and epinephrine and all sorts of biochemical reactions happening in your body because you are actively killing off your heart muscle. You will die if this continues. And so you have a procedure done to prevent that from happening anymore, okay? That is a real physiologic threat to your life, okay? Your action taken from that real physiological threat is driven from fear of dying. And that action is that you stop smoking. Versus if I continue to smoke, I might die. That is a thought about a threat, The same way being in the presence of a saber tooth drives running. Fear is the feeling. Action is the running to safety is a very different thing than I am in a jungle where saber tooths might be, but I don't see one right now, so I don't need to run. Same thing with the dark alley. You see another human being in the dark alley. That human being looks sketchy. You feel fear. You run to safety. Versus I'm just walking in a dark alley, but nobody's actually here right now. That drives the feeling of maybe enhanced awareness to look for the things that's scary, but not action to move and run to safety. So recognize when our feelings come from the thought that it might happen, that leads to this low-grade fear, not that high-grade fear that drives action, running, stopping smoking, whatever that action might be. That comes from a high-grade fear. This low-grade fear is just something that's kind of annoying that we want to get away from, especially in the realm of lifestyle modifications, right? So I need to stop smoking. 
Now you just have this anxiety because you're fearful that you might die eventually. And you know what really helps that? A cigarette. You know how you've dealt with it previously in life? A cigarette. It's the same thing when we're making changes to our health and our food choices. If you are using fear that drives this low-grade fear and anxiety that you may die in the future, that is a horrible motivator for creating long-term changes. So if you're feeling a lot of fear and anxiety when you're thinking about your relationship with food and your health, I want you to think about that. That is never going to drive long-term functional action change. In fact, it will likely drive more poor decisions because you want to suppress that anxiety and that fear. And the way that you know how to do that up to this point is with food. Same way the cigarette smoker. The way they know to deal with anxiety and fear about their health, this low-grade, not a real threat, but the thought about a future threat. The way they know to deal with that is by cigarettes smoking a cigarette. Okay. So if that is the feeling coming up for you, this is the podcast you really need to pay attention to. So the first question again is describing that relationship with food. Describing what are the thoughts that create your current relationship with food and your health? What beliefs do you currently have? And again, you may notice feelings first. That's okay. List the feelings like fearful, anxiety, annoyed, frustrated, scared, whatever that is. List that feeling that you're currently having about your relationship with food and health. And then ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling frustrated? Why am I feeling anxious? Why am I feeling fear? Why am I feeling scared? That will give you the thoughts that you have that are creating the relationship that you currently have with food and your health. And then see what is this creating for you. If you're currently a type 2 diabetic, what this feeling is creating for you is high blood sugars, high insulin levels. If you're a pre-diabetic, what this feeling and what these thoughts are creating for you is high insulin and high blood sugars. If you have non-alcoholic fatty liver syndrome or fatty liver disease, NAFLD, what this feeling is creating for you is elevated insulin level and liver damage. If you have polycystic ovarian syndrome, what the feelings and the thoughts, the collection of thoughts that you have about your food and your health is creating for you is polycystic ovarian syndrome, okay? See what these thoughts, what these collections of thoughts are creating for your health and creating with your foods. And then you ask yourself, what do you want to create? So this is the really fun part. This is 20 minutes in, but this is the really fun part. What do you want to create regarding your health and your food? So what I want to encourage you to do is to look at other relationships in your life that you really cherish and that you love. For me, I always consider my children. I don't think I'm a perfect parent by any stretch of the imagination, but I know I am hands down, without a doubt, nobody can change me or shake me on this. I am a loving parent. I love my kids deeply. I love them so much. I would hands down give both my kidneys, my liver, two lungs for my babies. I would not ever pull back from what they need. I would do whatever was in my power to create what they needed for them. 
I love them deeply. So when I think about how I want to create relationships in my life, I go to my kids and I think of that loving, nurturing, protective feeling that I have for my children. And then I think about how do I want to apply those feelings? How can I get those feelings to improve the other relationships in my life? How can I create those feelings in the other relationships in my life in order to create the results that I want in those relationships? So think of a relationship in your life that you love and cherish. Think about why you love and cherish it. Think about the feeling that you get with that. Maybe it's peace. Maybe it's strength. Maybe it's capable. Whatever it is, think of the feelings that come in that relationship that you cherish. Start there. Think of how you can create or what you already know about your food and your health that creates those feelings in the relationship of food and health, right? In your relationship with food and with health, how can you create the feeling of strength, the feeling of determined, the feeling of capable? For me, the feeling of love, the feeling of protection. How can you create that feeling What do you already know about your health and about your food that create those feelings? So I'm going to offer you some things that you already know. And I don't know you necessarily, but because you're listening to this podcast, I know that you already have a belief. You have a thought that I can be healthy without medications. You have a thought that there is more than what the healthcare industry in America is offering me. You have a thought that I have a lot of control in my health based on what I'm putting into my body. You already have a thought that you have a lot of agency over your health and you just need to figure out how. You already have those thoughts and I know that because you're listening to this podcast. You're trying to find out the answers to create that for you. When you have those thoughts, what feeling comes with that? Does that create the capability? Does that create strength? Does that create empowerment? And then I want you to think about how your actions regarding your health and your food choices change when you have strength and capability and empowerment as your feelings. What are you doing in those moments from those feelings? And then I want you to start figuring out how do you enact those into your relationship with your health and your food? What do you create when you start to enact those actions from those feelings? That is the way that we most impactfully and most empowerfully change our relationship with our food and with our health. This is what we do in my group. This is the thing that we work on. I know that everybody thinks they just need a new food plan. You do not need a new food plan. That's not the issue. You already know you need to lay off the Snickers, lay off the cake, lay off the fries, lay off the burgers. You already know that. You don't need a food plan. You know that. You know you need more healthful foods in your life. Probably need more greens, 
more veggies, more carrots, more tomatoes, more leafy greens, probably need to have more berries in my life and less candies in my life. You already know that. You don't need me to tell you that. What we need is to change the relationship with our health and our food from one of, oh my gosh, the American medical industry tells me that I need these meds and they're the answer, but that doesn't feel right to me. If that's your current relationship with your health and your food, I'm here to help you. That's what my program helps you with. If that's something you're interested in, please reach out to me. Delane at DelaneMD is my email. We'll set you up for a consult. You'll see how my program will help you and get you signed up for that. If you have any questions, please reach out to me. I love all the questions. Reach out to me, Delane at DelaneMD.com. I'm happy to answer any questions. If you think that this is a bunch of hoo-ha, I really want to hear from you. <laughs> Send me a message, Delane at DelaneMD.com. Whenever you believe that you have no agency over your health and you feel helpless and powerless and your action is to continue taking meds and continue to rely on the healthcare industry or the medicine, the Western medical industry to create a certain result in your life that they call health, but it's not health. Whenever you believe that you have no power over the food that you eat, you will create the results that you have no power over your health. That's how it works. And that's what I help people with that's something you're interested in, reach out to me. Let me know. I want to help you. I hope this has been helpful. I will be back next week. Talk to you then. Bye-bye.